Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. At Keystone Elder Law, it is our mission to shield the middle class from the costs and challenges of getting older. And here we are having that conversation about planning for the later years of life right here in the fall, right at the end of October. We all know what happens at the end of October. Halloween, also known as All Hallows Eve. Some of you, depending on your faith tradition, might recognize All Saints Day and All Souls Day. But what's that all about? It, it, it has to do with those who are no longer with us. It has to do with, in some cases, uh, recognizing the afterlife. And I'll, as an Irish American, I feel compelled to tell you all that you have Ireland to thank for this holiday. There is the Celtic tradition of Samhain. And if you saw the, the uh, spelling of that word, you wouldn't believe that's how it's pronounced, but it's Samhain. And the Irish, instead of carving pumpkins, would carve turnips, you know. It makes sense to the Irish, I suppose. But in the tradition of Samhain, they're recognizing that spirits walk the earth. And they, they donned costumes to avoid those spirits. And the black represented death, while the orange represented the autumn harvest. So this is where we get some of the Halloween traditions. It goes back to the ancient Celtic traditions in Ireland. And I'll leave it to you to look up the story of Stingy Jack. That's where we get the jack-o'-lantern. The short version of that story, by the way, is that Jack tried to make a, a deal for what would happen to him in the afterlife. But what started in this you know, somewhat serious tradition in, in ancient Ireland has turned into, uh, you know, it has gone from a discussion or beliefs about spirits, death, the afterlife, and has turned into kids running around your neighborhood all sugared up and having a lot of fun. And that's great. Um, but there is an adult conversation to have around all of this, and what better time of year to do that? Because there is, I will say, an ancient Latin phrase. The the Stoic philosophers made it made it famous: "Memento mori." It means remember that you will die, and that's not meant to be a dark statement. Anything but. It is a reorientation of the mindset to focus now in reverse. How do I want to live? Because I know that I'm going to die. Uh, what am I going to spend my time worrying about? What am I going to spend my time uh, doing? Developing relationships, being grateful. And everyone goes through life knowing that everything and everyone eventually dies. But we tend not to look right at it and think about it much. There are people who have strong fears about death and dying. Of course, people have fears about all kinds of things. Spiders, tight spaces heights, but you can avoid those things. There's no avoiding death. Even when planning at Keystone Elder Law, uh, we're, we're doing estate planning that focuses quite a bit on incapacity, which is what? That's the death of your independence. We're, we're talking about protecting your savings and property because inevitably the end of your life will come and you want to leave it to certain people in your family, people close to you. And of course, we hear fears along the way, fears of going into a nursing home, fears of of uh, not, you know not wanting to talk about what happens to my stuff because I don't want to talk about death. Well, today I have two guests with me who are very good at talking about this subject, not in a dark, 
way, but but adding another uh, dimension to it where you're you're looking at it different ways and hopefully in a way that allows you to live your life better. My guests today are Anne-Marie Brandt and Tyler Myers. They are with Musselman Funeral Home and Cremation Services in Lemoyne. Their phone number is 717-763-7440. And in particular, we're going to talk about something called a death cafe. Sounds pretty dark, isn't it? But it's not. And we're going to talk about unique traditions and stories around death and dying uh, that they have encountered. So Anne-Marie and Tyler, thank you so much for being here on the Later in Life Planning Show. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us, Patrick. Well, I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation, and not just because it's it's close in time to Halloween, but I want to talk about this concept of a death cafe. It's it's actually something that has sprouted up around the world, all over the globe. There are death cafes, and you know, I even mentioned to my wife before coming to the, the radio station, I was going to talk about death cafes, and you should have seen the look I got, uh, <laughs> but I, I suspect that if you bring this, this topic up with your friends or your family, you're, you know, if they don't know anything else, they just, they don't know what to make of that name. But Anne-Marie, maybe you can start us off. Tell me what Death Cafe is. And people can, of course, go to deathcafe.com and, and learn more about it. But in your experience, what is Death Cafe? Well, a Death Cafe is a safe and relaxed gathering where people, often strangers, just gather and they discuss topics like death and dying. It's more like a book club. It is definitely not a support group or a grief counseling session. But the reason it's called a death cafe is it's a safe place for people to gather. We drink coffee. We drink tea. We eat some cake. So it's in a nice, relaxed setting where we can discuss some pretty difficult topics. Right. Well, in, in speaking to you uh, before we, we went on the air, I was trying to nail it down more like, well, what kind of topics? And and it seems like there are some general guidelines from the people who founded this in, in London. And but beyond that, every death death cafe might take on a different flavor or the conversation might go deep or it might not go deep. And it really kind of depends on who shows up and what they want to talk about. The founder of Death Cafe, John Underwood, actually created the Death Cafe for uh, the reason of people being afraid to talk about death and the death process, the dying process. Um, he wanted a place where people could collect together. Well, they you know they can share ideas, and it's kind of came from this very European mm-hmm. concept where people would get together and talk about literature, or they would and they would have some I don't know they'd have a name for that, or they would get together and they'd talk about science. And I think he kind of he thought, well, maybe you know this is a unifying theme where everybody has to experience this, but nobody wants to talk about it the way people want to talk about books. You know, so you get together and you talk about things like that. I mean, is that the, generally the idea? It was. It, it was a nice way for people to come together um, and share their fears about death, dying, what happens after they die. Um, and it turns into a comforting conversation where people then are able to uh, identify with each other and find out that, hey, I'm not the only person who laughs at funerals. You know, I'm not the only one who wants to do this. And after I die, you know, I want to be remembered for this. Um, 
I'm sure we've all been to a funeral where we've seen somebody laugh. Sure. Well, and maybe that's the way the person who passed away wanted it. Exactly. You know, and we'll yeah, I think Tyler will get to that eventually where, you know, there are different ideas of what this remembrance is supposed to be in the first place. But but yeah, I mean, so people can share their experience at a death cafe that yes, I was at one and it was like a a happy celebration and I was at another funeral where oh my gosh, it was tragic and and I there's not a dry eye in the house. But, you know, so you can share at a death cafe experiences like that but i you also just alluded to there is a whole number of questions that people just don't have anybody to talk to and it's not i don't know socially acceptable to start bringing up the kinds of questions that come up in a death cafe at a couple of death cafes before that i've been at we've had attendees who've never experienced death of a close colleague or a family member they literally have not had anybody around them who has passed away. So they've come to the death cafe really to find out what to expect because what they've heard from their friends when uh, friends had friends who've passed away or family members is that they're devastated. They are caught off guard. They don't know what to do. And the attendees who came want to know how to deal with the tragedy of death before it happens. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. And I think just to, before we go to a break, give a sense of who's at. I mean, what what kind of professionals or what kind of facilitation happens? Understanding, and I think this is right on the deathcafe.com site, there's no agenda, there's no sales, this is not for profit. It's just supposed to be a place for, for safe, casual conversation about interesting topics. But who's generally there? Uh, generally, you have a host who provides the refreshments and such. You also have a facilitator. The facilitator's role is just to make sure that the conversation keeps flowing. As a facilitator, we are given a list of questions that we are able to use during the death cafe. Oftentimes, we find that we don't move past the question of what brought you here today. Sure. So it's it's just a prompt conversation among the, the participants. It's not to say, I'm a counselor, this is how you should be thinking about death, or I'm from a religious background, this is how you should be thinking about death. Absolutely. We do have a couple of guests that will be coming, such as we do have a religious pastor who's coming, we do have a grief counselor who is coming, but they're there just to help add to the conversation, but not to lead it. More on death cafes and the concept of talking about death and dying when we come back from a break. You're hearing the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show, here on News Radio WHP 580. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I am your host, Patrick Cauley. My guests today are Anne Marie Brandt and Tyler Myers with Musselman Funeral Home and Cremation Services in Lemoyne. You can find them on the web at Musselman, 1L and Musselman, musselmanfuneral.com, 717-763-7440. And before the break, uh, Anne-Marie, you were talking about, you know, who, what it, what is a death cafe? And people can find information at deathcafe.com, but 
you know, we're, we're in a season where maybe we're putting on costumes and there's a lot of fun, but there's, there is an adult conversation to be had and it can be very helpful for a lot of people, very interesting for a lot of people. This is not meant to be counseling or working through grief necessarily. This is just to share ideas. Uh, and in particular, I should note, you actually are planning a Central PA Death Cafe. It will be on November 14th from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. It will be held uh, in Mechanicsburg at a, in a conference room that is just adjacent to our office at, at KeystoneElderLaw.com. So you can look that up. Uh, KeystoneElderLaw.com has the address, and it's, a, it's adjacent to our office, not inside the law office, but uh, a conference room. And anyone interested can email Anne-Marie for, with questions or to RSVP, events at teambrant.net. That's B-R-A-N-D-T, teambrant.net. So one thing I wanted to clarify, Anne-Marie, is, you know, when we, I, we talked about who the professionals or facilitators might be, and that might be different from one death cafe to another, but what about the people who attend? You know, what's, what's the makeup of the crowd? Well, it varies. When we put together our first death cafe, we really thought that we would have a lot of older people who would come or really young people who had morbid curiosity about death cafe. See what I did there? (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And curiosity, of course, is encouraged. So of whatever stripe, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Um, What we found is it was a wide range of ages that came and wide range of backgrounds that came. I think I had mentioned to you before the show that in our first one, we had a 20 some year old gentleman who had come and he came because he was fascinated with death, the death process and everything. He just wanted to hear what other people thought about death and see if anybody else was as obsessed as he was. And then we also had a pair of... Was he of- wearing a Metallica t-shirt, <laughs> maybe a black shirt from a concert? Or, you know, some people know. I guess some people just have that curiosity. And that's great. That's what this yeah. is for. No, uh, no, he actually showed up in jeans and a t-shirt. He okay. did not bring his vial of bat blood or anything. Oh, well, you good. Know? <laughs> Let's dispel any, uh, any negative assumptions people might be having when they hear Death Cafe. And then we also had an an older uh, duo of ladies who came, and they were in their mid to upper 70s. And when they came, they're like, we're not here to die. Ha, ha, ha. We're just here to listen to the conversation. Right. And their input in the Death Cafe was very valuable because they had a different perspective. They were not afraid of dying. They were not obsessed with it as the 20-year-old. But they weren't afraid of dying. They wanted to be uh, known for the good things that they've done in their life. And the conversation went into bucket lists. Yes. And we had these middle-aged people, the younger folk, and then the older folk all talking about what they wanted to be remembered for. And it was fascinating and interesting to hear their wide range of interests and what, what they wanted to be remembered for. And that's really the whole point. The memento mori is, remember you will die, but it's so that you can focus on living the best life possible. And I love that, that you're uh, you're thinking almost of your obituary. What would I want people to be saying about me? If I'm, if I'm thinking of my funeral, what would I want people 
to be saying about me. And it all starts with every day, every minute, are you living that life that you'll you'll have the the outcome that, that you have in mind. And before this conversation, I was reading up on death cafes around the world, and there was a New York Times article about a death cafe in Missouri. And the social worker who was facilitating that group asked each participant to provide one word that the person associated with death. And the responses, just one word, and it speaks volumes. But one person said freedom. Another person said grief. Someone said transition. Another answer was relief. And a couple other answers, finality and graduation. So when you look at those, I mean, freedom or relief, that tells you maybe something about what's going on in their life, maybe going through all kinds of tough times. But transition and graduation, well, that speaks to something completely different. And just those one-word answers, I'm sure, led to uh, all kinds of profound conversations about what that meant to them. Is this pretty typical of uh, death cafe conversations you're familiar with? Well, I think it's dangerous to say typical conversation because each death death cafe is completely different. Um, the The vibe of the death cafe depends on really the people who attend, what they are expecting, what um, what they want to find out about each other, and how the conversation flows. The one death cafe um, I attended, they talked about things that they wanted in their casket when they died. And I was just um, motioning to Tyler that in several of the most recent um, services that we've had, we've had different items that the families wanted in the caskets for their loved ones. Um, Would you like to mention any of them? Yeah, so that's pretty common now. You'd be surprised. Um, I do want to mention that we are a death phobic society. We don't like death. We kind of dance around it a little bit. Um, it's an uncomfortable topic. And we're seeing that change a little bit. So this has turned from a sad occasion into a happy occasion where you're remembering that person in the life that they lived. So they try to, people like to highlight that by bringing in personal belongings, memory items, that's what we call them. And they can either put them in the casket with their loved one or they can place them on, uh, we have what's known as an honorific area where the family can come in, bring photos, bring personal belongings and build that area up. And it helps others get a window into that person's life as well. It's not uncommon for uh, ashes of family pets to be buried inside the caskets with the loved ones. Um, at the one cafe, one of the attendees, her purpose of coming was to see how other people thought about pets dying. Do they go to heaven? Do they not go to heaven? Do we think that the pets are running around in heaven with the humans or do they have their own heaven? And That's even in it. that New York Times story, the person who provided the last answer, graduation, had actually, I guess, went on in that in that death cafe meeting to explain that she had lost a very close friend way back when they were in high school, freshman in high school. And one of the questions that sort of stuck in her mind ever since throughout her life was, where is he now? Is is he around me now? Is he completely gone? And that's kind of the same thing. I mean, when, when you think of pets as 
man's best friend. I mean, that's uh, it's the same idea. It's it's that that question none of us will at least not anytime soon. I hope know the answer to with finality. But yeah, these these are the conversations that that people probably want to have, but they're only having them in their head until they have a forum like the Death Cafe. I remember another question that one of the attendees asked was, okay, so I'm a widower. I'm remarrying. Who am I buried with? And when I go to heaven, am I going to be accused of cheating? Well, the latter question is 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 really interesting to me. I mean, you can you have some control over the first question, who, where you're buried, who you're buried with, and there's certain etiquette that historically has been there. Who knows? Tyler can tell me if that's been changing. But um, yeah, you you have some control over that. But yeah, that latter question is is really interesting. Well, and from what I've seen, it depends on the relationship. Each situation's sure. different. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i've seen it go either way you know i've had spouses that have seen two spouses pass away and they choose to be buried with their first spouse or or their second right it's just on how that person feels and sure yeah it's personal uh, personal preference and and others are saying i finally escaped that last one i'm not going back <laughs> right. for eternity sure i get it well, you know, so this is all we're talking about uh, the the concept of a death cafe right before uh, Halloween and All Saints Day, All Souls Day. This is recognition that there are deeper questions, and when we're not just running around in costumes and and getting candy, there are some interesting conversations to be had that can help people work through their ideas on death and dying. Uh, Anne Marie and Tyler are planning a Central PA Death Cafe November fourteenth from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. in Mechanicsburg uh, at a conference room adjacent to Keystone Elder Law. So if you have questions and you'd like to uh, RSVP, email events at teambrant.net. That's B-R-A-N-D-T. We'll be back to talk about some of these deep questions about death and dying after the break. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. And right before Halloween, of course, we're talking about death and dying and adult conversations we can be having, especially when they teach us something about how we live our life. That's the whole idea of memento mori. Remember, you will die. But that's a message to make the most out of the life you have. And in particular, we've been talking about the concept of a death cafe, a place where adults can get together and ask those interesting questions that you might think would draw a very funny response if you ask them of, of friends at a dinner party or something like that. So it's a, it's a space meant uh, to ask these questions in a safe way that other people are, are probably thinking something along those lines. And... Before we started this conversation uh, with Anne-Marie Brandt and Tyler Myers of Musselman Funeral Home and Cremation Services in Lemoyne, um, I was looking up various stories uh, that I could find out there on, on the subject, and uh, I found one story uh, that was really neat about, you know, when you look back at regrets, you know, that, that might be a big topic of conversation in something like, how do you, how do you live a life without regret? So... So, you, you know, you lived the best life and then you might describe your death differently. But J.K. Rowling, the, the author of the Harry Potter uh, series of books, uh, was, uh, gave a famous interview where she talked about how 
one regret in her very accomplished life is that her mother passed away right before her mother was very proud of her knew she want had big plans but never got to see Harry Potter because she she passed away and now she always wonders well, what would mom have thought about that and so it brings up questions like what does it mean to leave a legacy and how do you want to be remembered and I'm sure this is something that comes up uh, with the people at, at Musselman Funeral Home and cremation services or maybe in death cafe type conversations. But have you encountered maybe in pre-planning or uh, in some context like that where people are thinking about, even if it's the only the final act of the service for their for their funeral, uh, how they want to be remembered? Yeah, so it's what well, I see a mix of both or two things really it's either people want their family to decide what how the services are going to happen whether it be a selection of music um whether they want to be viewed or not um and i have people who plan everything literally everything out a whole list of music that they want played at what specific times it's and for the people who don't plan every meticulous detail what have you gotten a sense of what their rationale is because you can imagine the person who knows exactly what song they want playing at their service or they want particular people to speak they've really thought it through and this is what's important to them but the people who just say leave it to somebody else to figure out that could be because I don't want to think about being dead or um, it could be something else but what sense do you get from when people are thinking these things through well, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. They don't want to think about it. People don't want to deal with it. Um, the the common answer that I get is, uh, well, I'm dead. Why would I care? Yes. Yeah, but, I, I get know. that in the estate planning context as well, where I'm encouraging them to to not just think about their own life, but to think about what are, it's in a sense, a gift to leave a sense of order so you know you don't have kids fighting with each other and not talking to each other. Absolutely. And And, and when people just say, well, I'll be gone, they're kind of just sticking their head in the sand and and um and I'm encouraging them to think even beyond their death to let's leave a legacy in a sense that you've made life better for people nobody's going to curse your name because everyone's fighting over the couch or something yeah that's exactly correct and you know I speak from personal experience that I went through that situation twice actually <laughs> and yeah we we needed more notes we needed more details we needed more written down right. it would have made it a lot easier on us and in the context of pre-planning a funeral and people just don't want to think through the details, I mean, I've heard it said that funerals are for the living. So that could be a one, I guess, legitimate reason for, well, I want them to have the music playing that makes them feel better in that moment. But I'm sure you're right that a lot of it is just, I don't want to think about this at all. Yeah, that's correct. And you bring up a good point there that um, people do recognize that funerals are for the living and not for the dead. Right. Um, it's meant as a a way for the living to find that closure, to find that cathartic moment where they can properly deal with grief and be able to resolve it in a healthy way. And you mentioned that some people want a viewing and or maybe a viewing by some people but not others. What's the rationale there? So I think a lot of people who don't want to be viewed, um, I, I often hear, well, if they couldn't come see me while I was alive, why, why come see me when I'm dead? You know, okay. so, so um, again, backing up from death to see how is life going. So, you know, that has some bearing on on how you're going to be remembered. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, in some of the other 
I, I think, suggested uh, questions from Death Cafe, if you're having a meeting like this to talk through these interesting concepts, would be, what would make for a good death or a dignified death or a peaceful death as opposed to what's a bad death or an undignified death? I mean, those there's no clear definition of those. I mean, does that does that ever come up in conversation either in a death cafe or or at Muslim funeral home? Well, at the death cafes, they've discussed different ways that people have died, which sounds Weird, but um, but you can't watch the news without. You know, I mean, these days, whether it's war or a celebrity, you know, crashing a car or whatever it might be. I mean, it's kind of a part of of everyday media at this point. Right. One of the attendees asked everybody, "So, can you tell me how a loved one of yours has died?" And that was the question. And <laughs> it was like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so the conversation went into. Um, cancer, illnesses. Um, For me personally, I've had an aunt and uncle who were killed in a plane crash. And you want to talk about unexpected and traumatic. That was terrible in of itself, as opposed to somebody who, even though cancer is, is horrible, you still have a short period of time that you can prepare for death. You can say those things that need to be said. Yeah, and that actually has a term. That's called anticipatory grief. That's yes. when you have time to process the loss before the loss occurs. I have seen that people usually respond better in those cases. Um, traumatic death, when, when you have um, sudden grief, that's that's the worst. It honestly. just feels so beyond their control. Yep. They didn't get to say things that they wanted to say, so exactly. it compounds the experience. Okay. Absolutely, so- and that goes back to obituaries also. Um, people... Some people like to write their own obituaries and some others like other people to write them for them because they want to know, of course, if it's before they pass away, they want to know what other people have thought about them sure, or what they think their accomplishments were as opposed to the person writing it themselves and sounding as if they're bragging. Right. And this is what I want to be remembered for. Sure. And you told me before we went on the air about a, a an assignment you had back in college <laughs> as a journalism major. Tell, tell us about that. Yes. Um, we walked into class and we were told to read 50 obituaries. And this is back in the 90s. So we're talking microfiche and newspaper clippings. You really had to work for it. Could not Google <laughs> obituaries. And our assignment was to read them and to note how many were uh, family-focused, where the obituary was mainly about their the family that they were leaving behind, or some that were professionally focused as their professional accomplishments, their educational um, backgrounds and such, and compare them. And see why it was more important for Joe Schmo to be recognized as top-notch doctor rather than uh, Jill Schmo, who was a loving wife and mother. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a difference of which one was more important and which one had more impact on everyone. But to the person who passed away, it was yeah. It, it, well, in your te- as you're telling me this story. I'm thinking a room full of, you know, late teens, early 20s college kids who think they're indestructible. But when you go through that exercise, 
that you can't help but have your mindset reoriented. Like, how am I living my life? Because in the at the end of the day, sure, we're all geared towards if you're in college, professional futures of some sort. Is that what it's all going to be about? Or are people going to remember me for my kindness or my love of animals or my, you know, volunteer efforts? Are they, what are they going to remember me for? And then you can start living the life that will earn you that obituary. And I don't know if that's what your professor had in mind, but I would think that's a natural consequence of it. And I think that's great. It was. Our next assignment was to write our own obituary. And oh, like you okay. said, we were only 20, 21 at the time. So I know my obituary was very short. It had like marching band and any high school awards. Well, your life was short at that point, you know. (laughs) Exactly. And what I found through the years is that I rewrite my obituary every couple years. That's a healthy exercise. it, It is. My friends make fun of me, but I like to think that what I'm writing is either what I have accomplished or what I still want to accomplish. Yes, And we're going to talk more about this after our break. We're talking about conversations about death and what you can learn about the way you're living your life. We'll be back in a moment on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, your host, Patrick Colley. We are speaking today on the Later in Life Planning Show on the eve of All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, about conversations about death and dying because they they contain all kinds of answers to how we want to live our lives. And in particular, there's a concept called a death cafe. There is one in the works, Central Pennsylvania Death Cafe. It will be on November 14th from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. in Mechanicsburg. If you have questions, if you'd like to RSVP, you can email Anne Marie Brandt at events at teambrandt, B R A N D T dot net, teambrandt.net. So that's open to the public. It's free of charge. An RSVP is appreciated. But my guests today are Anne Marie Brandt and Tyler Myers of Musselman Funeral Home and Cremation Services in Lemoyne. You can find them on the web at musclemanfuneral.com. And their, their phone number is 717 763 7440. We've touched a little bit during this conversation about the the big questions that people ask when they are in a, a safe space like a death cafe to to ask questions about death and dying, what that what it means for them during their life, um, and of course, you know, curiosity got the best of me while while preparing for this conversation, and I looked at some of the unique traditions that exist around the world from the Buddhists in Tibet who believe in something called sky burial. It's where they They believe in sending their loved one's souls toward heaven, and the way they do that is to leave the body outside, high up in in, uh, a mountain, where it's uh, it's left for the animals. And, you know, they believe not only in returning the body to the earth and giving sustenance to the animals, but it also uh, leaves the vessel of the body and allows the soul to depart. Uh, I thought one of the more interesting ones was um, in the Philippines, apparently they have all kinds of different unique uh, depending on where you are in the Philippines, unique rituals around death. But in one of them, a person during life carves out their own coffin from hollowed logs, and then the coffins have these intricate designs on them. They might they might represent something like fertility or longevity. But upon death, the deceased person is then placed into their own coffin and hung off the side of a cliff. I thought that was interesting. And 
I don't know. I, I, people have heard of things like the the Viking funeral, where you're you're set in a boat that is either set on fire or not, and then you're you're pushed down, uh, you know, a waterway to to go to Valhalla. Tyler, maybe you can tell me if if Musselman Funeral Home has ever sent anyone to Valhalla via the Susquehanna. I, <laughs> we I'm, have not. That is a public health nightmare. Well, I, I will <laughs> I will lose my license. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that because if the answer had been yes, I, this would officially be the best episode of the Later in Life Planning show ever, and I would probably just replay it every week. But that's understandable. We do have lots of licensing and, and regulations around how funerals can be done. Uh, but what are some of the the traditions, maybe faith traditions, uh, that 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 come up, and what is some of the switch that you were talking about from uh, maybe a general understanding of of this being a service of loss and mourning to maybe more of celebration? Feel free to talk about any of that when it comes to how people are thinking about death when they're planning their funeral. Sure. So um, I just do want to note uh, we were talking about the the Viking burial there. Yes. Um, there is one place in the United States where you don't quite get a boat. Um, however, they still do do a, a traditional pyre, a funeral pyre. Okay. It's Colorado. Um, Colorado does not require licensure for their funeral directors. Um, they're a little more lax on their on their regulations. How um, about that? Yep, and it's a long process. So typically with the cremation, um, Pennsylvania mandates that you be at uh, 1,850 degrees on your afterburner um, and that your um, cremation burner is at a similar temperature. We have to function there. We keep records of that. We're always inspected. Um, but yeah, enough about that. It's just interesting that there's one place in the United States where you can go and have that done. Right. Um, there are some other options that you have. Green burial is something, too, that we we kind of talk about pretty often. I have done a couple in this area. Um, they're not quite as common as they would be on the West Coast. But um, yeah, it's definitely coming. I think you foresee that changing and becoming more common for sure. Uh, cremation is extremely uh, favorable now. Uh, traditional burials are almost done. Well, you, you got to figure we're running out of space. I mean, eventually we'd be out of space for traditional uh, burials, but but I don't know. Is that the movement to cremation? Is it just space? Is it environmental concerns? Is it or is it something? Maybe money? Is it something? What else yeah, goes into it? It's certainly. Um, monetarily driven but, money is the big critical factor but where there's demand the the price could go up so is the cost of cremation gradually going up yes okay <laughs> glad we got to the bottom of yeah. that so um competition's good too pennsylvania is one of the most densely populated uh, especially this area populated with funeral homes and there are numerous reasons for that not only do we have an aging population here because believe it or not mechanicsburg pennsylvania constantly makes the list of great places to retire sure we're also seeing um, just a bunch of shifts um, in this area as a whole. So this is an interesting place to be. Oh, and antitrust laws also keep corporations from running this area like they do in every other city in the United States. Um, a lot of mom and pa privately owned funeral homes here. Okay. Um, and a lot more than you would see in other places. So there's a lot of competition, which will also keep the, the price under control, hopefully. Okay. But... Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, and there's a lot of change going on in the funeral industry right now. So, um, and, and as far as the, you know, I definitely, I'm glad you mentioned it earlier. I've seen more of this, uh, calling it a celebration of life. I mean, it's the same thing, unless there's a different, maybe a more casual environment sometimes. Uh, but 
have you seen more of that where we're I mean if you get you can always imagine a child dying or something like that it's there's no getting around it that's tragic that's Mm -hmm. there's mourning there's true uh mourning there but but are you seeing more people uh put the emphasis on celebration and I'm hoping again the answer is Yes, because then I can say the Irish again led the way with the the Irish wake, you know, uh, that whole idea of of celebration. Uh, and and you, I talk to people all the time that that they tell me, although I'm not in the the funeral business, I think it's part of holistic planning. I tell them along with your will and your power of attorney and maybe a trust. Well, your next appointment should be to pre-plan your funeral. It's just part of taking care of your family. Uh, and that's when they'll volunteer things like, I want there to be a big party or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. But is that something you see more of a movement towards celebrating life? Yeah. And again, I would say we're pretty skewed in this area, too, because the population here, like, like I said, is aging. We as funeral directors here are pretty blessed. We don't have to deal with a lot of trauma, um, young people dying, you know, children dying. Sure. Um, I would say the large majority of, of deaths that we handle are people that are retired. They're um, technically what research would deem them as old, old. You right. know, they're, they're definitely past their prime quote unquote if that's what you want to call it they've lived a life you know and that's the critical thing there so that's what people focus on more than anything they're focused on that life well lived rather than a a life lost right so um yes i'm seeing a a shift for sure sure and and maybe just since we're talking about unique traditions of course there are our faith traditions uh uh, Jewish people believe in burial almost immediately after death, whereas mm-hmm. other people might take a little longer. So there's religious differences, but I've even seen to to go outside the what I think is the norm. You know, the, these people who are sort of, uh, I, I want to say, preserved in a particular position, like inside a car or playing video games. <laughs> yeah. Are you aware of this trend? Oh yeah, like their head, their <laughs> heads am. are frozen. Is that what you they're, mean? Well, they're 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 stuck in a position. They're not lying down like in a casket. Like on a motorcycle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen that. I don't know how those funeral directors are doing that, but I don't either. And I, yeah. I and I don't see it taking off in conservative central PA. But nope. it, it's. I, I guess there's all kinds of options. <laughs> yeah, there are. They're really, um, and they grow by the day. Okay. So, um, the industry traditionally was pretty slow to change. Sure. For the last century. But as of late, it's been evolving rapidly. Um, we're we're even seeing a change in who who is a funeral director. You know, it used to be primarily men. It was family kept it within the family. Sure, that's not the case anymore. It's mainly female at this point now, and families are done. They've sold to other funeral directors who are first generation who decided to break that mold. Okay, so. There's a lot of change happening right now, but for the better, I think. And it seemed to be that the the, the funeral home back in the day always also owned a furniture store. Be- Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> because the two kind of went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- That's actually how Muslim Funeral Home Cremation Services started. It was a fu- furniture store and right. funeral home. Well, my grandfather was the same way with a funeral home in upstate New York. Yeah, until the furniture store burned down, and uh, then it was just the funeral home. But, I actually have yeah. a bottle of furniture polish on my desk. Okay. That says yeah. Muslim Funeral Home. Which has been around for over 100 years. Since 1895. Well, and this has been a fascinating conversation about all the, the questions you can ask about death and dying. Seems appropriate to have it around this time of year when 
the leaves are dying, everything is, we're, we're recognizing Halloween, All Saints Day, All Souls Day. Anne-Marie Brandt and Tyler Myers, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. I hope you'll all join me next week for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show. In the meantime, go to keystoneelderlaw.com. Use the workshops tab if you'd like to work, work on planning ahead from a legal and financial standpoint. But more conversation on different interesting topics for the Later in Life next week here on News Radio WHP 580.